every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome back to the Blunderground Railroad. We are examining Notes from Underground by Dostoevsky. We are in chapter number nine. I am Tom Smith, and your co-host is Stephen Hot. How's it going? Mr. Hot, chapter nine. Yeah, another chapter I could understand. I liked it. That's good. Yeah, right. See? Really, you're getting you're getting right along here, huh? Right, right off in the beginning, he's... Uh Talking about you can take everything as a joke, so I easily identified with that. <laughs> yeah, he kind of goes off on uh, on the joke, you know, and he's uh, he's talking about with these guys. It's almost like it's funny because he acknowledges them and then he mocks them. You know, he's kind of like, oh, I'm joking. You know, you guys are all these serious uh, scientific people, and, and then but then he's kind of mocking them because he's like, you know, because he does have all these unanswerable questions. You know, he's like he's like uh, he makes that point about man's nature. You know, how do you know? That man's nature is even intended for one thing over another. Like, who is it for you to say? Right. Right? Which is a pretty good point. Well, yeah, good point. But to who? So I very quickly went from, not different from really any rest of the book, from understanding and being able to identify what he's saying and, like, had a light bulb moment to who are you talking to? (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) I kept, I'm like, who are you talking? And later on in in the chapter... He says something where he alludes to like, you know, and and if I may, let me say something for myself. And it's like, right, you've been saying something for yourself the last eight chapters. You're the only one speaking. Right, right, right. Well, wait till you get a load of the next chapter. I mean, right. So uh, we'll get a couple of surprises coming in there. Uh, but um, yeah, the um, I know he's talking. He has this dialogue, you know, it's his dialogue with himself, but it's also the dialogue with with his echo chamber, you know, with the people that are around him. Uh, now we, well, I think people do that today. I mean, people form opinions that are either, either they mimic other people's opinions or they are in response to what they see in other people's echo chambers. Yeah, yeah you know, you can that. see this. Uh, I mean, you see this in politics a lot. You know, people will uh, usually when senators or congressmen get in trouble, or, or they do something bad. Uh, and so uh, I think the recent example was with the PPP loans, right? So they had the loans from COVID, and a bunch of senators were taking these loans. And so uh, it was an outrage in Blunderville. So in Blunderville, there's like this huge outrage from all these Democrats. And they're like, oh, well, look at all these Republicans. They all took the money, and they give this big list, and they put all those, you know, pictures of the faces, and they're all very bad, and then it's all very bad. Well, I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? Like, a bunch of senators took the money, both Republicans and Democrats. But the Democrats never get mentioned by the Democrats. And then, of course, the Republicans never get, you know, they, don't, they always talk about the Democrats, never mention the people on their own side that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So people end up, get, uh, they end up, they end up, uh, I think in our day and age, it's outrage. People process their outrage through that. Uh, but back, uh, this is a, more like a, 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 a discussion. You know, he's trying to work out, he's trying to work out man's nature. With with himself, I'm I'm almost like wondering like is this is this book just a, a really long college paper that he's gonna like turn in like is he later on in life and he's working on like his master's degree and he's got to write a paper but like he really doesn't like his professor and he thinks that uh, maybe <laughs> there are like a bunch of pretentious know-it-alls and he's like you know what I got you because there's so much like you 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 in there right right and and. Uh, I just hate to use the word, but spite. Spite. We've just said it so many times. Yeah, but it's the theme. You know, it's spite. I mean, really, it comes down to it comes down to nature, like spite and the nature of man's suffering. Right. I mean, um, he meant he makes that point in the the chapter uh, about suffering. You know, suffering is something man doesn't want to give up. Um, yeah. You know, I think one of the things about the book and about the chapter, about the book in general, is it. It, it really introduces a lot of these concepts that we hear a lot in our modern day and that we don't, we understand in a different way. Uh, you know, uh, for example, um, one of the themes in the chapter, he talks about 
you know, he talks about the process of the thing. You know, it talks about building a road. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's the, the, the idea. And so we understand this today because it's a developed and accepted psychological process. You know, people will say, uh, you know, visualizing. Uh, so you want to, you know, people will visualize, they visualize something they want, and then the, the, the joy is never in attaining that thing. It's in the thought of the thing, you know. So, you know, people don't really want to fall in love. They want to dream about falling in love, you know, or people don't want to actually own a boat. They want to dream about what it would be like to own a boat. Uh, or I can attest to that. Trust me, you don't want to own one. <laughs> The acronym is not false. <laughs> it's not fake news. Oh, there's an there's an acronym. For yeah, B O A T. Oh, break out another thousand. Oh, is that right? That's right. See, the, you see, I don't. Tom, Tom, you don't have a thousand to throw away, so I don't know nothing about no boat acronym. Then keep driving right past that boatyard and don't bother to turn your head. There you go. Don't don't turn your head, huh? That's that that'll be a thousand right there. Well, Thank you go. very just, much. Just turn your head, right? <laughs> they charge a thousand just to get on the lot, dude. Just to look. <laughs> just to look. Man, just to get on the lot. You want to sit in the seat? There's another thousand. Right. <laughs> I'm telling right. you, man. Oh, man. So we have all these concepts, and these concepts are already developed. and so, But we see them here in this book. And so a lot of people have looked at the book and said, hey, you know, this is an author, a story. It's a book. And there's just it's so rich. There's so much there about, you know, the nature of man um, and about, about our, our existence. Uh, and, you know, and he's really right. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, the roads and, 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 and the building the road, it's not about where the road goes. It's about the struggle to actually build the road. Yeah, and that's the struggle that he's talking about that people uh, sort of can't get rid of, uh, even though logically you would think you wouldn't want that there. Um, that sort of has to be there. Otherwise, you get bored, which is like yeah. the theme from the last chapter. Exactly. Uh, but he almost gets like angry trying to make his his point um he he asks basically like do you think you can create some sort of utopia and subvert man's like natural thinking and right. actions like is that really what you think you can do yeah because you can't right like R- right man he thinks like nobody knows anything but him right right i've had enough time to think on this and, and i used to be a judge so i got this right I, yeah he really does i don't know he really does. He can never. He can never stop, though. He can never stop. He doesn't have. Remember, he always questions that sense of justice. That you know, the man of justice. Well, the man of action has justice, mm-hmm. so he has that that objective. So he has a, a chance to stop. You know, he has a. He can stop and he can lay. He can lay a claim. And the underground man can never do that. He's constantly going. And so even if he has, and that's you'll see that there when he says he says I'm only joking, right? Because he can't come to a conclusion. Because he's dangerously close to saying, I'm stopping my argument. Here's my argument. Yep. Here's your argument. We're all going to go back to our corners, and I'm going to fight for mine, and you're going to fight for yours. He won't even allow that. Like, that's like that cannot happen in the underground man's world. Yeah, he talks about that being like a scary prospect. Right. Because then man just runs out of options at that point. They don't want to back themselves in, into a corner that is just you're stuck there forever. Yeah, exactly. kind of dug in your position and... Uh, you're unable to to move from that position or whatever the end game is. You don't want to get to the end of the game because you'll have nothing left at that point. Uh, so you, you kind of keep reinventing the wheel, which is sort of maybe why people continue to fix things until they're broken. You know, it's a really good point. You know, you see, you see these guys that um, you see these guys that start companies, you know, they start a company and then what do they do? They sell it. Right. Yeah. And then they don't necessarily retire. They go back and and start another one. Yeah. And I maybe I've, you know, I'm just uh, spitballing here, but I've never, you know, because I've never owned a, a big company. But right, I sure. don't understand these people that make these companies, whatever, and then um, they're able to sell off all their shares after they go public. Sure. And then they actually have real net worth, not just on paper net worth. Right. I would disappear. You would never see me again. I know. I you know. I figure a lot of them do, but I, I don't. I mean, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Like, I guess it's that same drive that made them so unique in the first place. Man, there it is. Perfect. That's what makes them so unique in that aspect, and mm-hmm. not relatable to us mere peasants who don't have a billion dollars. 
You know, it's it's really interesting, and it, it's it's true though. It's true. You know, I had a um, this is a long time ago, so it's a little story. So, I had a video game that I played a long time ago, and uh, and so this is not recent. This is a long, this is a while ago, and what I did was um, to make a long story short, I maxed it out, mm-hmm. and so I maxed out the game, and and I was very proud of that. I got close, and I was like, hey, I'm close. I should do this. You know, like I might never get a chance to do this because I get older and I'll be busy. So I went for it. And I, I maxed it out every part, and I was like, man, 100. percent And I felt great about it, right? So I put the game away, and and for many many years. And so recently, I recently I I, I came across, I got out the console, and I was like, man, this console still works. And I was like, man, I got that game I maxed out, right? Well, I mean, I I'm still at the final save. I'm still I'm still at the final save point. So I'm like, man, I can go in this game and have fun, and like I don't need to worry. Like, I can sit back and chill, and I can do whatever I want. And I was really enthralled by that. Like, it really stimulated me. Yeah, for about how long? Man, I'll tell you what. It <laughs> stimulated me, and I was excited. And I, I sat down in my chair, and I thought, this is great. And I was stimulated. I mean, I was, I mean, I, it was great. I sat down. No, Man, no sooner had I got in to that video game world. I mean, it's like a crushing blow. I was in there for about, I don't know, like two 2.1 seconds maybe right and then like after like two seconds like reality just washes over me and it dawns on me like it's completely pointless right like it's over it's over i mean it's yeah. pointless like yeah. I, I get in there and there's no challenge and i start thinking well w- what would give me a challenge there's nothing in this game i can't do mm-hmm. you know i mean and nothing's a challenge i've already solved it. every puzzle everything there's there's no challenge and I look at it, and I, and I, and all of a sudden, I start to, I all of a sudden, I start to feel tired. It's a very simplified, relatable version, of, of yeah, of what I just said. Yeah, no, it really is. That, that that is a great example. Man, yeah. As a, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an avid gamer, but I sure. was at one point. Uh, yeah. I still, still definitely play. Sure, but um, yeah, I know exactly how that feels. Yeah. I think Call of Duty, I think had I think they figured that out. Did they? Because not only do they keep releasing additions, right? Yeah, they, they probably do. They probably getting workarounds on this now. Well, they yeah, they they do. But one, while you're waiting for the next one to come, to come out because yeah. uh one a year is how many they release. So you do have the time to finish the game and do everything in the game. There are people that can do that. Okay. But they have built in two separate things. They've made it so in multiplayer, when you max everything out, next to your little emblem, yeah. that number just keeps going up uh, and up and up. Okay. So instead of maxing at 55 like it used to, mm-hmm. you'll get into a lobby. Someone will be 112, 113, 140, whatever. And All it right. can go as high. The sky's the limit. Wow. And then, you know. The next game comes out and it starts all over. And the other thing is, they re- they release like new maps okay. or content to keep people stimulated. Yeah, yeah, in exactly. In that time frame. And I had one of those games where it's almost embarrassing to admit this. Yeah. I think I had like a week and a half of playing time. Like that's actual in-game time is what it counts, not oh. just your console. N- yeah, not just that. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was stupid. Wow. Like a yeah. hundred thousand some odd kills. It was dumb. Yeah. Um, but it was I guess that might be as close as to an addiction as I've ever had. Right, sure. Because um, it was like, Oh, I gotta I gotta get home, I, I got a couple more levels, you know. And yeah, you're right, like but when you have those games like when you get to the end of them, you know. Yeah. Like Mario and Nintendo back in the day, you know, you get to I think World Eight. Yeah. And you right. beat it and you're it's like you beat it. You get a hundred percent. So I mean, you got everything. I do do it again. Why? Right. Exactly. I've seen it. Been there. Done that. Got the t-shirt. Like Vegas. To be honest with you. Yeah. Been there twice. Okay. Sure. Don't, don't want to go again. Right. The only reason I would go would be to like maybe bring the wife to just you know show yeah. her the the grandeur of of the strip and just how over the top everything is there or whatever. Well, you know, it's a, it's a real good point. I mean, that we we see that we find that as human beings, we want that in our relationships. Yeah. Uh, and and in our families, yep. right? I mean, that's one of the beauties yep. of children, right? Of having children. Because as you get older, 
as you get older, you you look at when you get you look at everything around you, you start to transpose your experiences into other experiences, and nothing seems new any longer. Well, with a child, everything is new. I mean, they can we get up in the morning, and then everything they do is new. Oh boy! So don't I know? Uh, right, don't you know? <laughs> that's right. You are not lying. Oh boy, that's right. Everything is new, and so there's always questions. There's always the sense of awe. There's always the excitement over every little thing. And, and honestly, like, you know, I mean, I, your kids are younger than mine. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we're both, I, I, you know, I, I think we're both at that stage where, you know, I think of post child life and then I go, man, I go, that's going to be kind of, going to be kind of weird. I mean, I guess that's why I'm podcasting in a way. Right. Because, um, you know, uh, you can, uh, you think of, you think about it, you want to do the new things and you want to expand your skill set and your experiences because, you know, you don't have that little child, you know, that uh, everything is, is great and new. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, that new life because I kind of remember what quiet is like oh. back in the day. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, dude, got to give up on that dream, Steve. I mean, now we're turning into a parenting <laughs> podcast here. But I'll, I'll tell you this, man, you, you'll just never, you'll never remember who you used to be, man. Like, I don't like, I always tell people that, you know, like, hey, man. Like I got three kids, man. I don't even know who I, who I was. I was before I had kids. Like, right? It's like it feels like it's like some other dude's life, you know. Like there was some other guy, you know. And then I, I, he, he was a thing, and he did stuff, and he knew stuff, and he was doing things. And then you know the kids came along, and then that guy's like gone forever. And now I'm like me, you know, like some twisted, gnarled middle aged guy oh. can barely get out of bed in the morning, you know. <laughs> If that's the case, then I'd like to go back and find that guy of me and slap the crap out of him. Oh, man. <laughs> Wake up. Oh, man. What are you doing? That's it. See, it's like you can't remember who you were before. You know, that's part of being a parent. I, I know that person uh, wasn't at the chiropractor this morning talking about, you yeah. know, well, C7 kind of hurts right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that guy sneezed or something and threw it out. Wow. Man, he's got, he's got it all down. That's how my day started. Man. All right. Wow. Oh man. But uh, but yeah, you do. You get that experience, and we do. Even in our our relationships, we want it. But you know, it's again, we do it in our institutions. I mean, right? Like uh, guys do it in marriage. That's another one. Well, that was my when you said relationships. That was like the first thing came to my mind. Was yeah. I mean, how many women and men? How well, many, one many thing. Women and men get bored. Well, I don't necessarily think, yeah, I mean, I think the board, yeah, I think boredom is an issue, but I, I, I think specific to men, you know, men have this view, especially with marriage, because it's about the attainment, right? So the completion, it's about completion and attainment. So with marriage, it's the attainment of, of, of the girl, right? And so, especially with us guys, we have a, a sense of when we get married, right, we're up at the altar. And then, you know, as soon as the, you know, the preacher says, I do, you know, guys like, He's got the ring. You know, you're like, oh, I'm done. I got it. You know, you're like, it's like a video game. You know, you're like, I got the ring, you know. <laughs> so then like the next day you get up, you know, and then it's like, oh, hey, it's all the, ro-, you know, you get up and it's like, baby, don't hit me with all the romance. Okay. I got the ring now. You know, like I don't need to work anymore. Right. Yeah. It turns know? out she's a lot like Call of Duty. You're right. She's got another edition coming out <laughs> that's next right, year. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Right. And by the that's way, right. there's content built in this year coming. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> see, see, every morning is like fresh new content, man. You're in a whole <laughs> new map. Right. But not the guy, man. Guy get out to, you know, guy get out the honeymoon. He's like, man, I got the ring, man. So now I'm all done. Now I, I get to sit on the couch. It's pretty nice, man. Right. I got the, I got the ring, you know. You're like, hey, baby, why are you complaining all the time, man? Like, look at this ring. Like, I got the it means I got you, right? It means we're good. <laughs> From more than one place, I've I've heard women's opinion is you need to keep doing what you did to make me marry you. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, I know. It's true. It's like, why can't I just be comfortable? Right, right, right. <laughs> no, you're like, see what the guy, guys will do this. Guys will say, guys will say, I'll do whatever I need to win you. But once I win you, that means I beat all the other guys and I'm like the alpha guy. So then I get to sit on the throne as the top, as the king of my castle, right? And, and the uh, dad in the home, right? Man in the home. See, that's what the guys think. And, and the women, see, and it's true. The women think of it differently, right? See, the women, now I'm not saying that the guy, all right, I'm not saying the guy's way is the highway, but uh, I, I won't say either one is the highway. The way that women look at it is women live under this illusion that, okay, that one day the man, they saw them right and so the man saw them and that 
the man was like, man, I, I can never have eyes for any other girl. Like only this one girl and it's only going to be this one girl. Only one girl can make me feel this way. And so they want, that's, that's like the chase. They want to be desired because they want that, that one person to say, Hey, you know, that one person, you know, I'm the, we're, we're made for each other, right? That person can't achieve this level of, of whatever it happens to be uh, mm-hmm. unless they're, unless I'm there. Right. So in a marriage, if, if you're treating your spouse, you're treating your wife, like, 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 uh, like, well, I know, I don't like, you know, like, you know, I could, you know, I could have you here, I could not have you here. Or if you, or if you're, you're not expressing that, or if you're not demonstrating that, because that's what we do in, in dating, right? When you're dating, you're not like, you're not like, hey, uh, what was going on with the date on Tuesday? You know, like you seemed like you were way out of it, right? No, you probably will kick the dog before the date, get all your frustrations out, and then you go on the date because you don't want to, you know, mess up the date by being in a bad mood. Yeah. But then once you're married, you're like, well, I'm married. I got the ring. I, this is, your ring gives me permission to be in a bad mood whenever I want because I'm the man in the home, right? It makes sense. And but then you do that, and then all of a sudden the wife's like, wait a minute. I'm the reason you don't get in the bad mood because whenever you look at me, it's like you see stars, you know? Well, and then, you know, as a guy, boy, we all make this mistake. I know I have, you know? So we all make the mistake. You go, well, okay, you know, there was a time and a place, but now we're married. It's different, right? And that's like the death knell to a woman. You don't want to tell a woman that, you know, because that's not what they're thinking. They're thinking like, oh, well, we met each other. It was like magic and we're we're destined to do this for the rest of our lives, you know? It's so like, and I've told, I've had told my wife, I said, man, I don't have the energy for that. Like, I, I can't stimulate you constantly every minute of the day, like make you feel like you're walking on air, you know? And then of course they, they say, I don't really want that, which is probably true, you know? And then you have to reach that middle ground. Yeah, I cannot say that I've jumped off the cliff and actually said that <laughs> to my wife. Definitely not. <laughs> well, listen, this one. hey, listen, what's, what's good for me is not necessarily advisable for everybody. So uh, that podcast comes with that uh, disclaimer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> glad you're here and you survived. Uh, I may be hospitalized if I should. Maybe, maybe, um, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. She shouldn't feed me very well. So maybe she, you know, so it's like a, it's a one of those long, slow processes kind of thing. Oh. Or who knows what's in my food? I don't know. Yeah, right, right. There you go. Man, I'll waste away one. Go day. that far? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no, I've definitely been been reminded that oh, you know, you got to keep doing what you what you were doing when we were dating, and I'm sitting here like I I, I am. What do you mean? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> what right. are you talking about? I haven't. I've tried to be real since day one because sure. Uh, I I don't see the point. And especially this being, you know, my second marriage, I I just yeah. don't see the point in in keeping secrets. So many, so many marriages, people have secrets. Like like if their spouse finds out, they're gonna get grounded or something. Oh yeah, true. You know, and, right. and they, they get that feeling like, and I know because I had it in my last marriage. I know sure. exactly what I'm talking about here. Sure, sure. Uh, where you're just like trying to hide stuff, you know? Like yeah. I said, almost like you're a teenager and you're hiding stuff from your parents. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a thirty-something-year-old grown man. Like, yeah. why am I? No, uh-uh. right, right. So, it, I mean, but it doesn't matter. It, it as much as I plead my case to my wife that I've been this way since you met me. Uh, there was a you signed a waiver. There was a disclaimer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Apparently, I was Prince Charming. <laughs> See, it's good to know. Now the compliments come in, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, compliments. well, I wow, I was a great person. Right, back right, and I guess. You know, and then you, then you, you get in the uncomfortable position of saying, "Well, you know, I didn't feel like I was that charming back I, then." You I know, happen right? to stand on the side of the argument where I say, "You just irritated me less." <laughs> Steven, Steven, <laughs> like, what happened to you? I'm like, "What happened to you?" <laughs> oh, whatever. Man. We each jump off our own cliff. Oh man, <laughs> man, I tell you, maybe, maybe mine Dude, was higher you know, than yours. Well, the thing is. <laughs> See the thing is what I found, and and I, I think that you're right as far as that goes. I mean, I think we 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 probably we've grown into it. I don't think we started that way, but we certainly finished that way. We certainly are that way now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know, I, and I think the thing about marriage is is you can't, you know, people say okay, marriage is a fifty fifty, and that's such baloney. You know, like it's never fifty fifty, like ever. No flip flops back and no, forth. No, exactly, and and that's the thing about marriage is is see, marriage is about commitment, and the reason it has to be, and the reason it has to be about commitment, and why ultimately it's the best thing is you're gonna have times when you're not feeling it, like you're not capable. You know, there are times when you're just you're just failing. You know, and then your spouse needs to 
kick it up a notch and, you know, kind of carry you through and, and be there for you. And then there are times when your spouse is not going to be there. Your spouse is going to be really in a bad place or hurting or, or, or need something. And then you're going to have to be the one to step it up and you kind of have to carry everyone. And that involves discomfort. And that's, I think, the hardest thing for, I think, is just in my own estimation, is looking at your spouse and seeing things that you go, oh, well, that's easy. And realizing that they're not easy for them. And so, uh, and, and the same is true when they look at you. Yeah. And so you have to really, you have to value things differently. And, um, you know, you have to value things differently. And like there have been times I've, been, I've looked at my wife and I've had to do things for her because she's not in a very good place. And I look at her standard and, and I'm, I think to myself, I go, man, I go, that's ridiculous. And I would never want to work that hard. Oh, yeah. You know, right? Same. Yeah, you know, like, and I, it makes no sense to me, and I never signed up to work that hard. But then I look at her, and I go, you know, she, you know, we share a life, you know, and so, you know, we, we said till death do us part, right? You know, and, yep. and we said these words. Yep. And so at some point, at some point, it, it has to stop being about you, and that hurts, right? It's got to stop being about you, and it's got to be about them. Now, it doesn't always have to be that way. I mean, that things change. I mean, right? Maybe the things will flip, and then maybe someone has to be there for you when you're not quite there, um, and that goes back and forth throughout the marriage. But there have been times, and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to say anything, and I'm going to pretend that this makes sense, and I'm going to work. Maybe I won't work as hard as my spouse does, but maybe I'll put in a lot more work than I ever would, and I do that. <laughs> Right. And I do that because of the commitment. Right. I do it because of the commitment. And I say, you know, I said, when, you know, I, I think, it, too, it, you know, you have to ask yourself, you say, hey, at some point in time. Right. At some point in time, my wife and I were two dumb kids sitting up there, standing up there before God making a vow. Right. And good, bad or indifferent. She looked at me. And when she looked at me, she saw the kind of person that could make a vow and see it through. And. Whether or not that's right, wrong, or indifferent, it doesn't matter. She saw that guy, and I wanted to be that guy. So that's kind of where it comes in. You're like, you know, you have to ask yourself. You're like, you know, do you have to do that every single day, every single moment of your entire marriage? No, thankfully, it's going to fluctuate. But at some point, you got to say, am I really that person, or was I up there being a fraud? And I think most of us, and I would certainly include the two of us in that category. Uh, you know, really believe, yeah, I am that kind of person. And so, you know, we, we, we elevate ourselves and we, we do what we wouldn't normally do, not because it's something that we choose to do or even because we think it's the best, best solution of a situation or because uh, it makes us feel good, but we do it because we are, we are, we are becoming that person who can stand up in front of you know, that person, it's just, you know, because that person up the front is either a dumb kid or they're a person who can make a vow. Right. And so at some point you got to say, yeah, I'm the person that can make a vow and I can, I can do it, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, in, in a way it becomes easier. Um, it does. As a Christian. Oh, absolutely. As a, as a Christian, it, it's, it's easier. Man, because some of the fights we've had as Christians, I think, man, people who aren't Christians, woo. <laughs> oh, how, how bad must that be? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say, like, oh, me and my wife would be done or, or whatever, but um, I I could see it being a lot easier, whereas as a Christian, it's not. It's just not even an option. Yeah, that's right. It's not an option. That's right. Period. Yep. I don't care how mad you get. Mm -hmm. it, you need a day, you need two days, you need a week, whatever you need. Yep, whatever you need. Doesn't matter. That not, we're, nope, we're not an not, option. We're not getting divorced. It's just not going to happen. Nope. Because we have a much higher power to answer to than yeah. what are our Facebook friends going to think. Well, right, exactly. And, you know, the thing is, is every single major fight that my wife and I have had, we've mentioned that. Every single, ma like the worst of the worst fights is always right. like, and we've done it. I, I admit it. We have actually stopped. So we've stopped and said, stop the fight. Everybody stop. Okay. We just need to, let's clear the air. And by clear the air, I mean... Yeah. No one's leaving. Like, right. we're all going to be here, and it's all going to work out. Okay, yeah. and then back to the fight, right? <laughs> or, uh, and I've even started fights like that. We've gotten into uh, we've gotten into issues, and it's like, we're going to fight. We're going to go here again. And then we're, we're talking about it, and then it's like, hey, before we get too deep into this, right, before you share what you're going to share, can we, you know, this is not going to break anybody. There's a vow here. And then you start the fight that way, and then you kind of go, go from there. Well, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you have to 
discussions or whatever. Things you have to work out, I guess. Yeah, we all do. But, uh, you know, it, it, the discussions are going to end how the discussions end. I mean, a fight to one person is not a fight to another person. Well, no, that's true. Know? I mean, so. you know, who can judge anyone? Who can, you know, who can judge those kind of things? But either way, uh, at the end of the day, as a Christian, it, it, you doesn't matter how bad it is or whatever. Uh, it doesn't bring you to a point of ending that relationship at all. Well, you know, you're all fighting for the same goals. As they say, that's a, a phrase I've heard uh, about marriages. Uh, but, you know, as Christians, you, you share something that other people don't share. I mean, you share you're both sinners in need of a Savior, you know, and you both share that saving grace. And that's that's a, that's that's huge. That's That really is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say about the only thing that gets in the way is of, you know, um, resolving those arguments quicker is the same thing that gets in our way in almost every single aspect of our Christian life, and that would mm. be pride. Pride, yeah. And pride. also, to circle back to the book, spite. <laughs> Boy, there it is, right? Hey, there it is. Absolutely. Spite. And, you know, also, too, the um, the, the unattainment of the perfect, you know? So, I mean, would we want a perfect marriage, right? I mean, would we, the attainment of the perfect. Um, in the chapter, the underground man points out two states of being that are pretty much re- reprehensible to him. And, and he, he says, one is idleness yep. and the other is perfection. Right. So he says, hey, you know, this is like, the, the, you know, the, basically nobody wants to be here, right? Like nobody likes someone who's idle, right? Like it's the worst thing you could possibly do. Right. And then perfection, like nobody wants to meet it. I mean, once people get to be perfect, everybody wants to blow up the whole thing and just start all over again. You know, nobody uh, nobody wants to revel in their, in, in, to become idle in their perfection. Yep. Yeah. And so it's kind of the same thing. You know, you see, you know, nobody wants to be alone, but then, no, but then you know, you have this perfect marriage that you never have any, you know, any any sort of discourse or, or, or conflict, you know, these are states of, of perfection. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. We were talking about, uh, it's so interesting. We were talking about uh, sports the other day and, uh, you know, just talking about, you know, these, these sports, these guys like, like Jordan and Brady and, and Bird and, mm-hmm. and, and LeBron and these guys, you know, you get that prototypical, that, that perfect, perfect season, that perfect career, that you know what drives you forward you know that that the, the absolute perfection of it all you know we were talking about how brady brady had won his 7th super bowl and then the next thing he wanted to leave the team and then go become a part owner because no one had ever done that in the league before you know so the only thing that could satisfy him was this new position that no one had ever done before Mm-hmm. And so it very much goes back to this process of building and attaining, you know, but never actually possessing. Yeah. Right. And it says in the in the book here, uh, yeah. he feels that uh, when he has found it, there will be nothing for him to look for. Uh, right. So, yeah, that's why it, Dostoevsky seems incredibly intelligent and and forward thinking and maybe this is just because people are just people and they no, just he really haven't was. changed he really was I mean, but a lot of people call him a philosopher but some people will refer to him as a psychoanalyst but yeah yeah but psycho psychoanalytics didn't really exist back or it didn't exist back then so if he was a psychoanalyst it certainly it was never any sort of you know real thing or accredited accredited well, thing maybe he maybe he didn't know um, you know what? Uh, maybe he didn't he he didn't have something to call it. Yeah, sure. But but you know, essentially, if that's what he's doing, then that's what he's doing. Just because it doesn't have a label, right? You know, just yet. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a good example: PTSD. Sure. That wasn't labeled in the DSM until very very recently. That's a really good point. But I promise you, it existed after. Uh, World War Two. Yeah. My grandfather had classic symptoms that are ascribed to PTSD today. So I don't sure. see I don't I don't see a a difference in calling what he was doing psychoanalytics. Yeah. You know just because it didn't exist back then to, to right. say it, it wasn't 
Um, well, it's this great mix of philosophy, psycho and psychoanalysis, and 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 theology. Really, I mean, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. and all of it. And uh, I don't know the. I, you do have to be pretty intelligent, but you uh, to do to to write something like this. But you have to be very inward looking. Yes. Extremely inward looking. Right. Yes. Because while this is a bunch of you, 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 and a and an outward, seemingly like long letter or book, um, this all comes from knowing himself and the human condition very well. Very much so. Yeah. Very much. Very much so. Um, because you can't really know what other people are thinking. You'd be, you'd be guessing, and you wouldn't be anywhere close. So, so most of this, we wouldn't be able to identify with. Yeah. Whereas a lot of this book, we can sit here and be like, "Yep, I felt the same way before. Never put pen to paper, but uh, I know what he's saying." Right. Exactly. You know. Even some of the, the deepest thoughts, maybe embarrassing ones that would never come out. Sure. Um, he's put pen to paper mm. and, and wrote them down. And you can't do that without being inward looking. Boy, absolutely. You know. I agree. So I agree. Now, it's a fascinating life if you, you can look it up and, and read about it. I mean he is a the you know, the tortured genius. He he actually spent time in the, the in you know, in Siberia. And they was taken to Siberia and the camps, so the labor camps. And he, uh, uh, he, um, and so he, uh, he spent time in the labor camps. So he uh, had a lot of time to think, a lot of time, a lot of time for that. He had a he had an experience where he was to be put to death, and he was in the uh, the line for the firing squad. Oh wow! And uh, so he watched while he was in line, and uh, he watched while he was in line. It's actually it's really great. Uh, from what I've heard, uh, I'm. I'm you know, I'm not an expert on it. I want to go back and look at it. But he was in line, uh, and uh, they were executing these prisoners of war. And so he watched them as these prisoners were executed. And uh, and so he uh, oh. he was uh, he was taken up along with the other good men, and they were tied, and they were blindfolded. And, uh, you know, and his, they say that he looked up, you know, and he looked up, and he saw the sun, you know, and that he, he had like a religious experience and how he... he, he he had, he had, I think someone might have given him a New Testament too. I think when he was on the train, I think someone might have. Might so he wasn't a believer until this happened? Yeah, and then he looked up and then he saw that and he felt the presence of God, right? And so what happened was he, he, uh, he was not shot as they were, they were going to shoot him and they gave the order, but then no one shot. And it was turned out it was like a joke, you know, uh, where the, uh, the commander had been like, yeah, no, you know what? We're going to spare these guys. We're just going to screw with them. And then what? Like, yeah, and then he he ended up he spent uh he spent a lot of years in the camp until he was released. And then when he got re- when he was released, um he developed a a, a gambling addiction and uh, if you can believe that. And so a guy that writes like this, that can write this deeply and that can write this profoundly, uh you know, actually had a gambling addiction. He pretty much gambled away every dollar he ever had. He had a I think he had a wife that he had a wife that died of tuberculosis, I think. And there's this uh, great, I read this one thing, one uh, great, you know, he's holding her hand and she's, she's dying and the hand is trembling, you know, and he, in one hand he's, he's holding his dying wife's hand and he can hear her breath, you know, her tortured breath as she's suffocating to death. And of course he's writing, you know, so he's, he's just got his other hand and he's, he's taking down notes and he's writing while he's listening to his wife suffocate, you know, and the hand's like shaking and he's writing down frantically, his thoughts flown out of his head, you know, I think he probably like, you know, went to the casino like a couple hours before, you know. So, I mean, it's wild. Is, it is wild, man. These guys do not, these are not, these guys aren't getting up and eating Cheerios, man. These are, these are, these are like, these are insane lives. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we don't even have breakfast in common with them. <laughs> maybe we don't, right? <laughs> That's right. Maybe we don't. That's right. Yeah. There we go. Hey, callback. Look at that, huh? That's professionalism right there from Mr. Hawk. No, Look at that. A little bit of my memory still there. Man, that's pretty good, man. Yeah, you're right. We don't even share breakfast with these guys. Uh, this this whole chapter um, is is one theme the entire way through, and I, I don't want to like. It seems really quick to close everything, but um, uh, right towards the end of the chapter, he says, "Once you have mathematical certainty, there is nothing left to do or to understand. Mm-hmm. There will be nothing left." but to bottle up your five senses and plunge into contemplation. 
And that's what it says. And that's that's really the overarching theme of the chapter is the fear of that happening. And that would be why man seems to like chaos. Not that they like chaos. They're scared of the alternative. Yeah. You got it, man. You got it. Bullseye, man. That's bullseye. I, sound, I said that like a statement, but that was like... Uh, Am I getting reassurance here? No, you're absolutely getting. You're <laughs> absolutely like, <laughs> getting reassurance. No, absolutely, it's absolutely reassuring. No, you are, and that's uh, really that is exactly it. I mean, you're reading it precisely. Uh, you know, he's looking at it, and man, man doesn't want to achieve that state. You know, they they want they get that state. They fear they fear the alternative. You know, they get to that state of perfection because then what do you do? I mean, and also it, it's in the attainment, right? They say, uh, what is the old saying, right? Uh, life's a journey, not a destination. Uh, life's a dance you learn as you go. No, wait, that's uh, Michael Montgomery. Oh, okay, right, yeah. <laughs> no. right, there they go. I think oh, no, that, no, no. What, life's a journey, not a destination. That's Steven Tyler, <laughs> I guess. So, right, the, uh, so, you know, uh, it's, you know, or, or, you know, the joy is in the journey and right, it's in the right. creating. Yeah. And it's in the creating. And yeah. I think, honestly, it is a very, it's very much a theological thought. All right. Because, and I've, I've contemplated this before, you know, man, listen, man is created in God's image, right? Okay. So yep. God created man first, Adam, and he's created to be like God, right? Well, let's take a look here. God does two things. All right. God creates and God destroys. Okay. Man, create, destroy. Right, we have this. So when man creates and when man destroys, man becomes like God. He does what God does, and then you have the uh, so to create and to destroy, and uh, and to uh, and then with the female, the helpmeet. You know, the helpmeets are more of a like a nurturer. So they they have a very much a, a nurturing nature, um, and uh, uh, you know, for growth is very it's varied. But, you know, you'll see it in little boys, right? I mean, you have, you have little boys. So, uh, you know, they want to they want to build, you know, you ever seen little boys that you put Legos or, or, or like with the truck, you know? So they'll say, Dad, what is the truck used for? You know, and they'll go, oh, this is what the truck is used for. And you put the sand in the truck and you build a castle. And then you build a castle and you go, oh, that's great. And so he goes, thanks, Dad. And you have a nice moment. Then you go in the kitchen, you know, because you want to do something in the kitchen. All of a sudden you hear bang, and you, know, oh, and you run out. And then the little boy's taking the truck and he's bashing it up against a rock, you know. No, not my kids. <laughs> They'd go for the vinyl siding. They would. Is that right? They, would go, they wouldn't bother with the rock. They would go oh, straight, no. straight for no. the vinyl. Rocks are then, cheap. Because then you can destroy both the, the truck and the vinyl siding. That's right. right. See, that's right. That's right. Trucks are cheap, right? Twofer. So, but little boys will do this all the time, right? They, they, you want, you show, no doubt, you show a little boy how to build a sandcastle, and mm-hmm. they build it, and they give you a hug and thank you for it, and then they kick it down, right? Yep. It's right there, right? You can see it in every little boy. And so there's always this, this instinct. We want to create, and then we want to destroy. And we, we want to destroy to prove to ourselves that we can, Right. And so, you know, it's like we get, so we, we have that capacity. You know, we have that capacity. What, whereas, whereas God has the capacity for life, right? So God creates life. We create a road or create a company, right? When we create, we're like our creator or we're being that way. And so we create and then we destroy. You know, we begin, we put an end. Um, there was a, there was a, he, he made a comment in the chapter uh, and it reminded me of that last verse in Ecclesiastes, uh, which is, is wonderful because he talks about the mathematical tables. And he says, gentlemen, if this is all arithmetic and it's all a mathematical table, then man can just sit down on his hind end and he can just extrapolate all the way to the end. The end I think he says something like the end of the matter. And that really made me think about Ecclesiastes 12, you know, uh, 12, 14 for um or excuse me, in 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's it. You know, that's it. I mean, right, there it is, at the, right at the end of Ecclesiastes. And so uh, the underground man is like, well, we would just know the whole duty of man. Like, what is the whole duty of man? Well, If, if you think about this big picture, yeah. so this Dostoevsky's arguing against man even being able to tolerate a perfect state of being a perfect state of nature. Sure. However, what did God create? A perfect state of being a perfect state of nature. Mm. So 
is this a larger issue? Like, maybe I'm going way too big here. I don't know. It seems like maybe this is, like, a larger issue. Like, wow, man is just totally incompatible with God. And it was, like, going to be that way from the beginning. Like, almost like we didn't have a... Almost like Eve didn't have a choice right. with Satan, you know? Yeah. Like, are we that way because of that? Or were we going to inevitably get bored in a perfect world regardless? Right. You know? Obviously, I, I know that we won't be bored right. in heaven. I, I, I know that that's not a thing. Oh, yeah, right. But it's... It's something that I can't comprehend right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because this totally makes sense to me. Because you can look at it on the video game level. A very simple example. You can see it. Mm-hmm. You can you can feel it. We've all felt it yep. in some different way yep. in our life. And so it's like, wow, that's just so wild that we're going to be okay with everything just being perfect same o same o yeah yeah i hear you i know i've given it that thought as well you know i think for me i always take comfort in the fact that you know once you become a christian and once you're on that journey right like like the bible like the whole life right like 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 you can go your whole life right and you can invest like in the bible you can be in your bible every day and it never gets old i mean it never you know you never get to the point where you say well i've just memorized so much bible i mean right think of someone like uh Think of someone like uh, like Pastor or think of some other people that you've known in your life, right? People that have memorized and have internalized an, an obscene amount of Scripture. Charles Spurgeon said he just barely scratched the surface. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying, right? And so you can actually get to that point where you can say, you know, I probably— you know, I've I've gotten to this point where I've invested in scripture so much. You never get there. Like you, like you're right. Never felt like he even scratched the surface, right? Yeah. So God never allows us to get. We don't we don't get to that point in the Christian walk in our Christian life. We don't get to the point where we say, "Well, I feel like I've finally gotten there." You know. Yep, I'm all set. Right. Yeah. Like I'm all set now. Like <laughs> I finally got there today. Hey, you know, I, I thought I had indigestion, but I actually figured out I got there. You know. Could no, you, it doesn't work that way. Could you imagine? The arrogance it would take to say that. Oh man, no, nah, can't. Ooh, oh, boy, can't even imagine it. Yeah, I've come to the full knowledge of Christ. I'm good. <laughs> right, what? right, right. No, excuse me. Yeah, no doubt. You know, so I think that I take solace in the fact that in life we never get there. You know, we can always have the word. We always have God speaking to us through the word. And you know, Paul says, "Hey, you know, right now I understand, like as in a mirror darkly." You know? Yep. Right. Yep. You know, like we can sit there and talk about it all day and maybe some of it might seem to make some sense. Really? We're just we saying, ain't got no idea. We really we don't. are pissing yeah. into the wind. Man, we really are. You know, there is a reality <laughs> that we don't have the whole story. You know, no. we just don't have it. And so until we no. do, it's not going to make any sense. No. And so, you know, and even when we think we got it. Right. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Amen, brother. Right. Yep. You know, there it is. His ways are not our ways. You got it. So. Yeah, we're not even remotely close. Right, no. And, no, and no. like there and there is, there's comfort in that because yeah. neither is anybody else. Right, yeah, there you go, right? So there's Absolutely. no pressure. <laughs> That's right, right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Just forgiveness, right? Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for keeping the bar low. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. If I was trying to get to heaven on my own, I was coming up woefully short. Right, right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You know, I I heard a joke today. You know, maybe we should uh, we'll wrap it up with a joke. I I heard a great joke today, and uh, 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 it's just a funny talking about Christianity joke. You know, he says, uh, you know, Moses comes down with the tablets. You know, and he says to the Israelites, he says, uh, he goes, he goes, guys, he goes, I got I got good news and I got bad news, and they go, well, what's the they go, what's the good news? And Moses goes, he goes, well, he goes. God had about a hundred commandments, and thankfully, I talked him down to ten. <laughs> and the Israelites go, "Okay, well, what's the bad news?" And then Moses goes, "Well, unfortunately, he goes, I couldn't talk him out of the adultery one. It's in there." <laughs> oh no! Oh man! Ouch! Ouch! I guess oh, you could choose. I guess no. you could choose. I guess you could choose anyone you wanted. But wow! But what? I I kind of had a chuckle. I don't know where you heard that one. Oh, it was on Twitter. It was in Blunderville, of course. Oh, so where course. else was I? Oh, of course, it was in the yeah. dumpster fire that Twitter is. It was. Yeah, man. I was in the. I was in. Uh, I was like in like I don't know. I was like an alt theo bro like. Uh, 
culture war. Oh my goodness. Academia Twitter, which is like, which is kind of like being in like a warm bath full of. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Some some of these new age no. churches, honestly, I could see them. Opening well, no, I mean a lot. No, a lot, a lot of the a lot of the theology is very classical. A lot of theology and a lot of a lot of the theology is very classical. I mean, it's pretty deep. I mean, it's too deep for me. I, I don't want to work that hard. No, <laughs> no, no. I I can work a little harder than uh, I I don't I than right. posting that joke. I that's, like that's it. who in good conscience hits post on that. Oh, on some. I don't even con- think I oh. say that in good conscience in private. What you mean on the uh, on you, on the joke? Yeah. What the one I just told the entire free world? Yeah. Oh well, I mean, I I well, hey, here we go. Watch. It this. wasn't your thought. Well, no, I know, but I just got off Twitter. But watch this. I can always go. I apologize. Yeah, right? I could do that. No. N- no. I think it. You know, no. it's it's kind of like uh, like a sun visor. Like uh. you got to be a certain person to pull that off. Oh man! Oh, you know? the, oh, sun I think visor. There's oh, only certain visor. people. You're following up my joke with a sun visor joke. Uh, I don't know. I didn't man. know that was your joke. No, but it's true though. Only certain people can can you know. And I'm trying to become one actually because you know when I was younger, I can pull was, off a sun visor. There was no way I could. You're do bald. It the sun isn't going to let you forget people. Well, no, but I still think I can rock one pretty good though. I mean, when I was younger, no way it was never going to happen, right? But, but now I think I can almost get there. I mean, I'm almost there. I'm like eighty percent of the way there. It's pretty good. I mean, you should see it. It's pretty good. I check it over. It's good. You know, you can. Uh, you know, you wear it like when it rains. You know, and it keeps the sun. It keeps the rain out, out, out your off your mustache, and you know, it keeps the sun out of your eyes. It's pretty good. I'm glad you've given this some thought. Well, <laughs> well, there we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for chapter number nine, notes from underground, and we will be back with chapter number ten. Hey, we're coming to the end of the inner dialogue here. Pretty soon, we're gonna be. Gonna be talking about the underground man's life. Woo! Yeah, and uh, boy, don't judge us on this one. Please join us for that one. We'll right. see you then. Right. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge, and check out their other podcasts: Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time 